Go ahead and pull out your Bibles, something to take notes with this morning. Uh, we get a, a special speaker, not a guest speaker, a special speaker this morning. If you've been around church uh, here much, you've heard her preach before and been blessed. If you're newer around here, get ready. Ladies and gentlemen, Karis Fregi. Thanks, Andrew. You didn't even pray for me, which is weird. I was banking on that. No, it's okay. It's okay. I can pray for myself. I can pray for myself. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. Um, thank you. Yes, yeah, so I'm Karis Fregi. Hi, friends. And uh, my husband, Chad, is back there. He's really handsome. Um, and we... <laughs> We have been part of Antioch since we first planted, and that is like just such a gift to our family. So before I speak every time, I like to do this. I don't know if they actually want me to do this, but Andrew and Heather, would you guys just stand up? So I just want to honor them because the other people who usually preach are Heather and Steve, and Steve's your dad, and that's weird. So it's my chance, and I got the mic. Um, But anyway, these are some of my best friends, and I know that there are some new faces here, so you might not have spent time with them yet. And I just want to assure you These are trustworthy people. These are like the real deal leaders, but also just humans. And I was talking to Andrew the other day. You guys can sit now. I was talking to Andrew the other day, and uh, we were talking about something. And he said, if you ever see that in my life, I want you to call that, like call me on that. And I just was like, I I didn't even think about it at the time because it's so Andrew. But later on, I was like, man, that's really unique to be led by someone who's leading, not because he's perfect, but because he is trusting Jesus and he invites eyes like that it's just not done a lot so you guys are awesome round of applause for Andrew and Heather (laughs) yeah so anyway okay so we are talking this week this is week three of a series that we kicked off in January we kicked it off talking about what is God saying to our church what's the word for our year and does anyone remember what it is what's our word don't say it Andrew It was awesome. Okay, so it's from Isaiah 54, and so we're trying to put this word in front of all of us. Do not hold back. Um, Shout out, I am starting this podcast segment on our podcast, and Andrew and I sat down last time, and we just talked about the word for the year. So if you want more info, you can listen to his message, or you can also listen to the podcast and kind of hear who is this for. One of the important things for me was defining this, that this, this word is not just for Andrew and Sam and Christine and the people on staff, but it's for anyone who would come in here. If you want to receive that word, do not hold back in faith, like in the kingdom, it's just like a river, so you can just grab it, right? So just wanna encourage you with that, do not hold back. So now we're looking this month, we're saying, how do we not hold back? If that's our word, how do we not hold back? And so Heather launched us off and she did the word. How do we take the Bible and not hold back in our approach? How do we take it and say, how is this going to actually infect my life and affect my life? How do I meet with God here? Um, And then Andrew came last week. He talked about worship and war and the war of worship. The war is really about what you worship. He even went back to the Ten Commandments. I had never personally thought of it this way, that those first four are really about what we worship. So it was this encouragement to get our worship in the right place so that we don't have to hold back, right? So this week, I get to talk to you about two topics that I've actually been really loving in my own personal life right now, prayer and fasting. Everyone's like super excited about the prayer part, right? All day. You talk about fasting, people are like, not for me. So I want everybody to touch your neighbor and say, this is for you. This is for you. See, I would hear this message like before the past year and a half of my life, love the prayer, and struggle with the fasting and be like, this is for the spiritually elite. This is for like 
you know, like the ninjas in the faith, and that is not me. I'm a stay-at-home mom, like I love God, and I want to fast, and it sounds awesome, but I'm probably going to be terrible at it, and actually have been terrible for most of my life. So that's why I have authority to speak on this, because I've had to live it, right? Okay, so I've cut my teeth on this subject, and I want to assure you today that prayer and fasting is not for the elite, fasting in particular, that it's actually tools. It's not a religious thing. In fact, Jesus doesn't even give his disciples like, hey, you need to practice this often. He just says like, when you fast, assuming they're probably gonna fast, okay? So I wanna like erase the lines of like religious, it's not, it's not that. In fact, if you fast and you mess up in a fast, you don't have to call it quits. Did you know that? I have done that. You can phone a friend in the middle of your fast. Um, and so I just, want, I just want to say this is an invitation, but it's kind of more than an invitation, all right? So my husband and I love CrossFit. I feel like I talk about this every time I get up here, but I love it. And we started loving it because we watched this documentary on Netflix, Fittest on Earth. Shout out to that. And it's about CrossFit athletes who actually are like the cream of the crop, and they're really elite, and they go to what is their like Super Bowl and it's called the games, so they go to the games. And these people, what I love about this, unlike the Super Bowl or the World Cup, where like the only unknown things are like how people will play, um, with the games, you don't know all the workouts, okay? So the athletes train all year, knowing when they get to the games, they'll know some, but then some of the workouts they won't even know. So they don't even know if they're gonna be ocean swimming, they don't know if they're gonna be on an obstacle course, like they just don't know what they're gonna throw at them. It's just a test of their fitness. And I find this, do you see where I'm going with this? I find this very like life. And I want to say, if you want to be someone who makes it in life, prayer and fasting are training tools. And they will prepare you for what you don't know is happening. I also want to say that prayer and fasting is not just for the I don't know what's happening bad stuff, right? Because that's what we go to, like, oh, yeah, this big trial, but I'm, like, believing God. Like, no, prayer and fasting is actually also for times of abundance, so you learn how to stay awake in your heart, okay? So that's where we're going today. Okay, obviously these are huge topics, prayer, fasting. There are a lot of books. There are a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of people. So I am not speaking as this theological expert today. I'm just going to share with you like you're my friends. Can you handle that? Okay. And you can do the homework on the other side if one of these you want to go deeper into. So I want to ask really simply, <clears throat> what is prayer? How I'm going to define it for today, it's talking to God and then listening to what he says. That can also be reversed. He can talk to you, and you can listen to what he says. That's actually the kind of prayer I like to stay in, because I talk a lot. So it's just good to talk to him, and then to make sure you're listening. Who can pray? If you can worry, you can pray. If you can gossip, you can pray. If you can complain, you can pray. If you have negative self-talk, you can pray. Everyone can pray. Even if you can't physically talk, you can pray. All right? I just want to, like, level the playing field. Okay? Now, I'm going to give us some reasons why we pray. These are not exhaustive. These are just the three things that I've been experiencing in my own life, and so that's where we're going to go. Now, a little background. I think most of you know, but for those who are new, maybe you don't. My husband and I, about a year and a half ago, hit this time in life where it was like our life came to a halt. We have four great children, three girls, one boy. Our son was four years old, and two days before Thanksgiving, I was feeling his side and felt a lump. Long story short, 24 hours later, we went to the hospital and he was having surgery to have this tumor removed with that same kidney that the tumor was growing off of. And we also found out that he had many lung tumors as well. So launched us into 
a journey where we did not know that was coming, right? No one prepares for that. Um, and these two tools, this prayer and fasting, became the training the Father used. And it's weird to think about a time of suffering being a training, but it is. When you know Jesus, he makes it for your good. And so I would not trade what I went through. I would not trade it. Chad would not trade it. We learned so much. And I feel like I'm fighting with everything in me to not go back to life as normal. My son, by the grace of God and by the victory of Jesus, is in that class over there, and he has lots of hair. Yes. And he's doing awesome. But there's something that God wanted to deposit, and I'm praying that it multiplies. In fact, one of my prayers during the time when Cade was sick was, Lord, take my little life and break it and let it feed a lot of people. If I'm going to be broken, let it feed a lot of people, right? Okay, so that's my hope today. So when do we pray? The first one should seem pretty obvious. You pray when trouble comes. Now there's this crazy story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. After the nation of Israel, remember it had David and then Solomon. Solomon messes up. God divides the kingdom into the kingdom of Israel, kingdom of Judah. This is the kingdom of Judah. City of Jerusalem is there. And a king named Hezekiah is actually a good guy. He's like loving God. He doesn't make all great choices, but this is one of his finer ones. So we're going to study it. But he's being attacked by this other king who's been known to go around and just like destroy kingdoms. So he's already heard the rumors of this guy and this king sends people to talk to the people on the walls of Jerusalem in their own language and he's just like shouting threats at them and he's saying, don't let Hezekiah tell you that the Lord will deliver you because this man has gone apart to all these other places and he's taken their idols, he's destroyed their temples, he even went to the kingdom of Israel. So that's weird, right? So he's coming to Judah and he's saying that and he's saying, don't let Hezekiah tell you the Lord will deliver you. So this is Hezekiah's response. Want to hear it? 2 Kings 19, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter. So this man sends Hezekiah a letter after he's shouted these rumors. And he says, from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread this letter before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, um, whatever, whatever his name is, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Now, before we go to the next verse. So what Hezekiah has that none of these other nations have is he's been obeying God, so he has the prophet Isaiah. Anyone heard of Isaiah? This is, this is Isaiah's response. <clears throat> Who knows how long after. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Okay, so I want to tell you, when trouble comes, you spread the letter of trouble before God. No matter what it is. When we heard about Cade, I didn't start Googling his kind of tumor I didn't start calling a bunch of doctors. I didn't look at the statistics. He had a 50-50 chance of living. I didn't ask for stories of survivors or stories of kids who didn't survive. I went before the Lord and I spread the letter of his diagnosis. And I said, what are you gonna do? I said, what are you gonna do? Because I knew he wanted to speak. And I wanna encourage you, some of you have trouble and you think that you have to fix it on your own. You think that you can go to these other places and I wanna encourage you, don't hate your neediness. 
you know? Your neediness for God, I heard this said before, is your honor and it's not your shame. It is okay to come before God in his temple and say, I have a need. Look at what they've said against me. And I'm talking, it doesn't have to be this big, dramatic, I'm, some of you might think, of course, your son has cancer, but I'm saying for the little things in your life, you do not need to be your own protector. You can spread the letter of it before the Lord and anticipate he's going to respond because it's what he does. And when I spread that letter before the Lord, he responded and he reminded Chad and I what we, he had said about Cade years before. And so he inserted faith into our heart. And I want to encourage you to stay in the place before the temple of the Lord with that letter and wait until he responds. So this is his response, 2 Kings 19, 30 through 35. Therefore, says the Lord concerning this king, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out, this is crazy, and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Is that cool? I don't know. That's just like so cool. And I want to encourage you, when you spread your trouble before the Lord, watch what he does. Watch what he does. When we pray, I just love that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27 talks about this. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for us, with groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes, that's praise, for the saints according to the will of God. When I would go into some weeks of chemo, especially big groups, I'd be really scared. And I would have friends come and pray with me. And as we prayed, the Lord would insert courage into my heart. And it was like his agenda for that chemo group was revealed by praying. So I just want to encourage you, as you pray, let him insert faith. Even if it seems too good to be true, it probably is true. You know? And he's asking you to pray that with him. So even when you don't know what to pray. Now... I feel like the second time, second area where I want us to go next is to pray when trouble doesn't go away. Because I know for me, this was a year and a half journey, but it's done. I mean, thank you, Lord. We're still walking through scans, but it's over. But some of you have walked through years of living with maybe a chronic illness, maybe with someone that you love who's not doing well. Like, there are many things that seem to not leave. So I want to look at what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 18, he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them how to pray. And he said, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and then give up after three weeks. <laughs> no? Oh. To always pray, 12 years, check out. Don't wear out God. No. He says, he told them a parable to the effect that they should always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there is a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I want to encourage you that God's timetable is so different. And when I was praying for this, I just felt him saying that there are some of you who have checked out, and he's going to bring to mind situations. They don't even have to be these dire things, but just something you had faith for a couple years ago that you just got tired of. He's not tired of hearing you come. He wants you to beat down his door perpetually. When Cade was going through all this, I still pray this over Cade. I say, give me justice from my adversary. Now, a widow in this time had zero rights, right? She couldn't have a house. She couldn't have anything. She had no rights. But she was coming to this judge, and she was saying, you're going to hear my case. I have rights. Even though the world says I don't have legal rights, I have rights. Because we're in Jesus, we get to demand justice from our adversary. The places he has stolen, I feel like even the Lord wants to make us like have a bank account where we're keeping record. This is what was stolen on this year. This is what was stolen. And then bring those things before him. Have audacity when you talk to Jesus because you're a dearly loved child. That's what praying, this shift for me is praying as an orphan who says, God doesn't love me. God's not keeping track. I have to kind of be careful to not ask too much because he only has a little bit to share. Or he's like kind of greedy, and even though he has everything, he doesn't really want me to prosper. Or I say, I'm a dearly loved child, so I can ask my father, right? And he's going to give justice. And what does it say? He's going to give justice speedily. It's our hearts trusting him, trusting his timetable. And I'm still like pressing into this, so I'm not finished here, but I just want to encourage all of us. Let's be people who pray and don't lose heart. And the third place of prayer that I want to talk about is actually something that's really been burning on my heart lately, and it's pray to wake up and to stay awake. The world has this way of putting us to sleep, right? If you're in trial, you want to go to sleep so you can avoid the pain. If you're in a good time, you want to go to sleep so you don't have to deal with all the trials that other people are having. You know, we just want to be comfortable, and you're sleeping, you're so comfortable, right? And I just feel the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to wake up. Will you be people who wake up with me? Whether you're going through something hard and you wake up and you pray and you get my heart, or you're in a good season and you pray for other people, will we be the church who wakes up? In Luke, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's gonna be crucified. And in verse 46, it says, when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is an intense rebuke. They've actually fallen asleep a couple of times here. But I just wonder how the story would have been different had they stayed awake and prayed with him. Because we know the story. They all leave him, right? They all betray him. And that was prophesied. But I'm just saying, can we stay awake in our hearts? And I feel this challenge in me to stay awake through prayer. We have this time of prayer that we've been doing on Fridays for moms. And sometimes when we pray, we just pray for like the global world, which seems very obscure. And it's like, how do I even start? Where do you start? And it's amazing how the Lord highlights different places. Because we're awake to him, he always has an agenda. You can pray for people in Thailand. What was it this year? We, we prayed for Russia this week. And like just random, didn't even know, Right. But the Lord had Russia on his mind, and so we started praying into it. I just want to encourage you, when you're awake, he wants to talk. You know how, like, when you wake up in the middle of the night, no one else is awake, and you just, I'm like, awake? Like, kind of touch Chad to see if he's awake. The Lord is awake. He wants you to be awake. And when your spirits are awake, you can live with purpose. There's a verse in Ephesians, and it says, in Ephesians 5, chapter 14, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Is that encouraging to you? He wants us to be awake. And when you're awake, you might feel a little bit like you're the only one awake for a while, but he's awake with you. And when you're awake, other people are like, I think I want to wake up too, right? Which leads me to something that really wakes me up, and that's fasting. Okay, y'all ready? Okay, so fasting. What is fasting? I mean, I'm sure there's much more technical definitions, but for me, it's me voluntarily giving up something I love so that I can concentrate more on Jesus and so that I can remind myself he's worth way more than this. Okay? And I feel like fasting is such a great tool to keep our hearts awake. Now, um, there's a man in the Bible, Daniel, who fasted a lot. He's kind of known for this. And I found this fascinating once. Um, In Daniel chapter 10, it says in verse 3, Daniel, now he's part of, I have to back up. Daniel was taken from Israel, and he's brought into Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom of Babylon. It's like a really wicked place. And it says that in the raid that they made to take Daniel, they had no mercy on young, old, pregnant, widow. Like, it was a really disgusting raid that he saw. So he has a lot of traumatic images. But what I love is that Daniel chooses not to go to sleep. He chooses not to check out and, like, eat the king's delicacies. He chooses not to just enter in. He chooses not to sit in his trauma and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying he, he chooses to stay awake, to look at it and to stay awake to what God's doing. And the Lord loves this about him. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 3, says, I ate no delicacies, this is Daniel speaking, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. Okay? So I want you to notice that word delicacies. He ate no delicacies. Now, verse 11, an angel comes to Daniel while he's, while he's praying. He says, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Okay, so the word delicacies and the word greatly loved are actually the same word. Isn't that interesting? It's this word, I can't really say it because I don't speak Hebrew, but it's like hemda or something. You're like, it's in your throat. Um, I just spit. Um, Anyway, it means delight, desire, that which is desirable or pleasant. It means basically like tasty. So Daniel gave up tasty food, and he became tasty in heaven's eyes. This makes sense to me, because when I was little, my mom always wanted to bite my nose, which I didn't know was weird until I did it to my kids, and Chad was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. They're just so cute. I've got to bite them. Like, their armpits, too, you know? And y'all try it at home if you have kids. It's really gross, but it's yummy. Um, But I I wonder if when we give up something that's tasty... We become tasty, and the father's like, oh, I've just got to bite him, you know? Like, that's, that's kind of weird, but what if he thinks that about us? And I think that when we give up what we desire, we become desirable. Now, the jury's out on fasting. I don't know all the what's going on. It's like a huge mystery, but I'm okay with stepping into the mystery if it makes me desirable, right? Not a lot of people in the Bible have an, annual, an angel come to them two times and see the prophecies, that Daniel later sees, that you can study the book of Daniel and find out how many times the Lord initiated with him and the things he carried, but it's because he made this regular prayer and fasting. No one had done this before Daniel. He wasn't following a legalistic rule. He was following his heart to say, I want to stay awake to God, right? So that's what I want us to do when we fast, is to say, I'm, I'm choosing right now to, to be awake. And we're going into three days of fasting coming up, and I just want to give some, like, some 
guidelines, okay? So here are some reasons you can fast and you can join in with us. The first one is to repent. We see this a lot in the Old Testament, to repent of sin patterns. Now, for me personally, when I fast, I'm always asking the Lord to heal me of my irritability, okay? Because I'm a mom and I got a fast trigger. You know what I mean? Like I can go from one to angry really fast, but I'm really asking the Lord every time I fast, oh Lord, would you take that out of me? Would I be like Heather and just be so patient? Like, just totally fine, it's totally fine. And that's not me, but that's what I'm repenting of. I'm still fasting for that when I fast. So I just wanna encourage you, if you have sin, that you're like, I just can't get free of this. I guess I'll always be this. Take it to fasting. I'm not saying the first fast you'll get freedom, but maybe, and that's awesome. Maybe it'll be the 17th fast, but you don't wanna stop on the 16th if the 17th is it. You know what I'm saying? So you can repent for sin. The second way is to intercede. We see this in Esther's life. Remember, she gets to put, be put as queen, and the people group of the Jews are being killed by this guy named Haman. He has this evil plan, and she fasts for three days before she goes to see the king. So she's interceding for her people. Daniel, a lot of the times that he's fasting are to intercede for a people group. So if there's someone in your life that you want to fast for, this is the time to do it. When Cade was sick around week 18 of treatment, he was responding really poorly. And Chad and I are not experts on fasting, but we thought, what haven't we done? You know, like we looked at all the tools the Lord's given us, and we're like, fasting, haven't done fasting. And it was interesting, because I was in the car on the phone with him. I was like, I think we're supposed to fast. And he was like, I do too. And then because we're like networkers and can't do things alone, we got all of our friends to do it with us. So we made these like videos, not planned, just kind of like random, and we invited people to fast with us every Tuesday. Now, I've told you I'm a terrible faster. In college, we would fast, and I would, hour two, decide I couldn't. Like, I had a medical reason. It was not good for me. I was the one person who couldn't fast, clearly, right? Um, but it was so good when Cade was sick, there was nothing in me that wanted to give up. So we spent 24 weeks every Tuesday. We called it a fasting Tuesday. And our friends would fast with us, and we would fast food, and then we would break it at night. So we didn't even fast a full day because that was, seemed a lot. So I'm just saying... The boundaries to fasting are not religious, but it's, a, it's the act of your heart. It's the act of your heart, what you're doing. So you can fast to repent this next three days. You can fast to intercede, or you can fast, and this is actually what I felt like the Lord told me at the beginning of January. I did a little fast in preparation for this message because I was like, well, gosh, I guess I got to fast. And it was really hard. And um, when I did fast, I felt like he said, this is a fast of consecration. Now, that was, I'm not that smart, so I was like, great, what's consecration? I was remembering when Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God after he's baptized, he has 40 days there, and the Lord's setting him apart for ministry. And then I thought about this chapter in Acts where they take Saul and Barnabas, Paul, he's Paul now, Paul and Barnabas, and they take him up and they, they're fasting before the Lord, and then the Lord says, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. So then they fast more, and then they send them off. So I just want to say, if you're like, I don't really have anything to repent of, like I'm a pretty good person, which maybe you need to fast, figure out what you repent of, but, or you're like, I don't have anything to intercede for specifically, this is a great way to fast the next three days, is to just say, I'm available. Like, I don't have a lot of talent maybe, but I'm available. I want to set my life apart for you. So I just want to invite you. These are the three things that we're going to highlight over these three days of fasting, three reasons you can take before God and figure out, what am I fasting for? And he can give you that, and you have permission to fast. So I do want to say this, though. Real talk. Let's talk about fasting. Because I get into fasting, and I didn't know it was miserable, right? You get into it. I go through the seven stages of grief every time I fast. 
I'm not kidding. Y'all think I'm shock, anger, denial, disappointment, reasoning, rationalizing, trying to get out. I'm just... So when you encounter that tomorrow, day one, and you're like, this is dumb, that you know I feel that way too. And you don't fast for how you feel during a fast, okay? You do not fast for how you feel during a fast. During a fast, I am angry. I'm like, all my flesh is out. I'm trying to get free from anger, and I'm even more irritable. Like, everything the kids do is wrong, right? And I just want you to know you're going to feel that. If you decide to fast food, you will feel angry. You will feel denial. You will feel resentment. You will hate me. You will hate the church. And I want to encourage you to be like me and phone a friend, okay? So I called Heather, because I knew if I called some people, they'd be like, oh, totally break it. But I knew, like, Heather's not going to let me out of it. Well, just all my mercy friends would be like, you're right, you're right. So call Heather. Actually, just voice memo her. She gives me a voice memo back. I tried to save it because it's actually a whole message in itself. And she's like, girl, this is one of the only things you can do this side of heaven. And I'm like, yes. Like, it was the best pep talk. So I'm just going to repeat what she told me for y'all to see, okay? Number one. Fasting is a physical act that represents something much greater in the spiritual places. It is good to remember when your flesh comes out when you fast tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, whether you're doing a full fast, a Daniel fast, you're fasting till dinner, whatever you're doing, your flesh will be out and you will think this is doing nothing. I see no improvement. That's normal. It's totally normal. And to remember things are happening. Our wrestle is not against what? It's not against flesh and blood. So when you fast, it's a physical act that represents something spiritually. You're not supposed to see something, okay? Let's all just stop expecting an angel to be like, you fasted at McDonald's. Good for you. <laughs> Number two, fasting is one of the only things we can do here that we can't do in heaven. Jesus talks to his disciples because they're getting accused of like, why don't your disciples fast? The Pharisees ask this. And Jesus is like, they don't fast when the bridegroom is here. They fast when he's gone. There's actually like stuff you can find online that was so encouraging. When we fast on this side of the cross, we're fasting because we have longing for Jesus. We want the bridegroom to come back. So when I fast, I'm saying, I'm doing something here I won't have to do when I'm with you. And it's one of the only offerings that you can give him right here that you can't do in heaven. It's gonna be the marriage supper of the lamb. And who knows, I mean, maybe we'll have endless stomachs and you just keep eating. I don't know. I just know that we get to do it here. Number three. It refines and concentrates our vision. So you'll be surprised when the fast ends, when you get your life back, how much clearer you can see. You will experience spiritual breakthrough, I promise you. I guarantee it. Your time with God, if nothing else, you'll have feel like, felt like you've mastered yourself, which is always worth something, right? To not be subject to, I gotta have a Coke, gotta get my coffee. This last time, I just was like grieving coffee, seven days without coffee, and it was, I was in low places really low places. But on this side of coffee, when I first had my first sip, y'all, this is what's so sad. I was like, it's not even that good. The thing that the enemy kept being like, you got to have a coffee. Just have a coffee. You need a coffee. Girl, you're a mom. You got four kids. They get up at 6 freaking a.m. You need a coffee, right? I get a coffee. It doesn't even taste like I thought it would taste. So I want to encourage you, whatever the enemy brings up to you, whatever is your coffee, it's not as good. If you break and you have it, you won't feel fulfilled, okay? Number four, this is a big one, and it's, whatever, it could be a whole message. We share in the suffering of Jesus. Paul talks about making up in our bodies what was lacking in the suffering of Jesus. This is like such a mystery. 2 Timothy 2, he says, share in the suffering of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, when you fast, and it hurts, and it's painful, he knows what that feels like. And he can encourage you. 
Number five, this is the big one. It gives us authority in unseen places. There's a story in Matthew 17 about a man who brings his son to Jesus and he says his disciples can't get the demon out of his son and Jesus comes down and he says this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I don't really know what that means and the mystery behind it, but I'm just saying it's going to give you authority. It's going to give you keys. So I want to encourage you when you fast to remember these things, to keep them in front of you to phone a friend. You can call me if you need to. And I want to also say again, we're not coercing God to agree with our, our ideas of what should happen in a situation. When we fasted for Cade, yes, we were asking for healing. But I am less convinced of outcome, and I'm more convinced of soul health. So no matter what situation you're facing, the Lord wants to make sure you make it. He wants to make sure your heart is making it in life so that when his eyes roam to and, throw through, to and fro throughout the earth, he's seeing hearts that he can strengthen. Then he's looking to strengthen. So I just want to encourage us as a family, as we do these fasting, as we do these prayers, to do it together. There's something that's going to be even more powerful about the group of us choosing to fast, not because it's religious. We don't even have a religious agenda. I'm just saying it's an invitation. So I want us to step in. So if y'all will stand up, the team's going to sing one last song, and I just believe right now, <clears throat> we're going to take like 30 seconds, and you just start asking the Lord, hey, Lord, what am I fasting for? If Even if you didn't think you were going to fast, and you feel the Holy Spirit putting that on you, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have come today. It's a good day to be here, because we can all be together. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit. So will you close your eyes? We're just going to ask him, Holy Spirit, what, what kind of a fast are we doing? What are you highlighting? What are we supposed to give up? And Father, I just ask for my friends right now, for every person who is struggling and they have that one thing they don't want to give up. I just thank you that it's just three days. And I thank you that there's reward on the other side. And I ask right now that you would insert faith into every heart that needs it so that when they fast, they are anticipating you. And I thank you, God, that when we encounter our flesh and our weakness in prayer, you are there to strengthen us. I thank you, Father, that there are some spiritual things that we need to do a physical act to have authority over. And I'm asking God, thank you, Jesus, that you have all authority. And I'm asking God that you would distribute authority to those of us in the room who need it right now. Father, I ask that you would put weapons of warfare in our right hand and in our left. Father, would we be a people that are consecrated to you? And I thank you, God. I thank you for what you're doing. In your name.